Welcome to the Chase Sagum Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Sagum. Today we're going to be talking about six growth hack ideas for your B2B business. If you are in the world of business-to-business transactions, marketing, sales, this podcast was made for you. If not, I suggest you still listen to it. You'll still get some good ideas out of it. There's some things in here that we're going to be talking about that apply to really all realms of business. Obviously, it's very specific to those of you who are in B2B, and hopefully you get some good ideas out of this. But first, we must play the intro. I had some good requests come from many of you on LinkedIn, those of you who are in the world of B2B, and I thought it would make sense in in the next episode that we did to really cover this topic, um, specifically Nicole Barrows on LinkedIn. Nicole, shout out to Nicole, um, really kind of gave some insightful input and posed some questions that I thought were really interesting, and so I thought I would address this. You know, so much of the digital marketing conversation that you see on the internet is about B2C. Obviously, it makes sense because, you know, the e-commerce world kind of dictates a lot of conversation. Um, But even within B2B, there's a lot of talk about what can't be done. And I think it's from a lot of people who don't really understand um, and have empathy for those who are really, truly trying to generate business from from the business world in, in the in a true b2b sense and so i've got some experience in that and i know many of of you listening to this podcast do as well and i thought it'd be a good chance to talk about some ideas that that have worked for me recently and i'm seeing from a lot of really interesting and creative digital marketers on the internet right now um, specifically i wanted to cover six what you could call i guess growth hacks um, for growing a B2B business with digital marketing. And I think, like usual, guys, I'm not really trying to attempt to cover the full landscape in any one of these episodes, right? Um, You know, I try to keep these short, be respectful of your time, anywhere between 15 to 25 minutes per episode. And and a lot of that is just out of respect for you guys. You guys are all working hard and, and you have your careers and your goals. Many of you have families, and responsibilities outside of work, and the last thing you want to do is listen to uh, some some monotone voice like mine ramble on for an hour. So we'll get right into it, but I want to kind of, in the spirit of that, help you understand that I'm going to throw some ideas at you, and by no means do these ideas cover the full spectrum, but I think there's some ideas that either you can execute on in the B2B space, or they can be ideas that lead you to the next idea. In, in your B2B endeavors. And so let's get into these. The first one is in regards to webinars. I've had some success with this podcast, as you've seen, where we take a shorter format. Everyone I talk to about podcasting recommends you do an hour and a half to, t- to an hour 45, a minimum of an hour per episode. And if you look at the traditional podcast method, that's pretty much how everybody's doing it. And it's been interesting. I've found that I've had I've been able to have success by simply shortening uh, the same amount of messaging in one episode, the same amount of content, I should say, but cutting out the crap, cutting out the fluff, being quicker, being more to the point. It's kind of this idea of the art of writing less versus writing more, and it's very similar in how you do digital content. 
in this case, podcasts, but what I want to also talk about is in regards to webinars. There's a lot of webinars that are a half hour to an hour too long because there's so much waste happening inside of the presentation. If you cut all that, have webinars that are shorter, more to the point, jam-packed with value, this is my idea number one, I think you make webinars that are more repurposeful on things like YouTube, on platforms like YouTube. I think they allow you and encourage you to pump out many more webinars as opposed to just one. I mean, geez, if you're going to put one webinar together, it's going to take an hour and a half of your time to record it. Man, doing a webinar a day seems like quite the quite the endeavor. But if you cut that down to 20, 30 minutes, you know, your ability to cover many different topics across a, a wider spectrum becomes more possible. So idea number one, shorten your webinars. Do webinars if you're in B2B. If you are producing <clears throat> white papers, blog articles, sales decks, all of the above, these are all great ideas to mash together to create webinars. I will say in your world of doing webinars, focus more on providing value in the form of solving problems for people as opposed to just doing product demos or ser- or service demos or explanations. Um, provide real, real value. Too many of the webinars that I see just jump straight to home base trying to pitch you what it is that their software does or or their service provides as opposed to really taking your time and, and, and providing real good value. The litmus test for me in webinars has always been if somebody never buys my service or product, will they get incredible value from my webinar? Will they be able to reference it in the future? Will they be able to use it to propel their business even without my software, even without my service? That's the litmus test I look for when when doing good webinars. So publish webinars, capture leads. Webinars is a great B2B digital marketing growth hack strategy. Number two, Q&As on your website. So you've probably heard of Quora, obviously, and, and, and Yahoo Answers going back a, a decade and a half. Um, I'm not talking about Q&A on social sites or, or third-party platforms. I'm talking about Q&A on your own website. I see a lot of blogs where a lot of kind of fluff content is written on corporate sites that are trying to drive B2B business. And what I would recommend as a growth hack strategy is instead of writing kind of useless blogs that you're probably not going to get anybody to read, do Q&As where you, you basically, by understanding your audience and what their needs are, answer their questions and do individual blog posts, if, if you will, as Q&As. So here's, here's why this is really valuable. Number one, um, it's a great long-tail SEO strategy, obviously. I think that's the first thing you probably picked up on the minute I, I mentioned that, the fact that you can cover a lot of long-tail terms, and, and really you're providing value to the internet. There's questions that you may have answers to in your industry that nobody else has answers to. So that's number one. Number two, these stats... There's a lot of people trying to like water down these stats. There's a lot of people who are trying to overinflate these stats. The fact is, is that Google, with all the data that they're looking at, is anticipating that in the very near future, 22 to 25% of their search queries will be from 
from a voice search uh, perspective or from the voice search side of things. If Google's planning on that, that's their business. They have to deliver search results. And so following that trend, building really good Q&A content where you are leveraging the Q&A schema. Uh, if you don't know what that is, Google that. But leveraging the Q&A schema so that you're you're aligning with Google as, as much as possible in terms of what's being indexed and how it's being indexed perspective. If you use natural language, meaning don't over-lawyerify it, don't over-corporatify it, like what are what's the language of the questions being commonly asked in your industry, and then answer those in a very common man's way. If you do that, and you can think of and cover almost every question under the sun regarding your line of work or regarding you know your industry you put yourself in a really powerful position in the short term by gaining a lot of seo traffic from long tail search terms and in the long term you put yourself in a really good position to gain a lot of traffic from voice search by being positioned number one as the number one answer for a lot of questions that people are inevitably going to ask on Google Voice Assistant, on Amazon Echo, on you know Apple Home. These things are, are going to play a huge role here. So number two strategy for you here is, is do a lot of Q&A on your website. And I don't mean a frequently asked questions page. I'm talking about dedicating a lot of content to very specific questions and providing really, really good specific answers in return on those. Okay, growth hack strategy number three. Collect emails, hyper-segmented and personalized email marketing with a long-term approach and strategy. So that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of gobbledygook in one uh, one statement. Email marketing is dead. Yes, you heard me right. It is dead if you are not willing to do the work to be personalized. In your email marketing, if you're not willing, and you've if you've been listening to this podcast since the beginning, you will have caught some of this messaging and some of this stuff I've, I've said before. But email marketing nowadays, if you want to have a decent open rate in the forty percentile range, you better plan on sending the right email to the right person at the right time. The only way you can do that is if you learn learn a lot about these people, and if you can have an audience of emails email addresses for people who are very tightly related to what it is that you actually provide. Now, in B2B marketing, you've got a great opportunity to do this with webinars, with white papers, with blog posts, Q&As. You can capture a lot of email addresses at trade shows, at, at business conferences, meetups. But if you don't go through the work to really segment those emails, and build content strategies and deliver value in the form of content to those people at a very personalized and segmented level, you won't win. But hack number growth hack number three is doing just that. Having a smart strategy around collecting emails, whether it be again webinars or business conferences, you know, trade bo- show booths or whatever. Leveraging an email marketing automation platform, getting super segmented with that platform, building automation drips around the different segmentations, um, providing tons of value over a long period of time, and then dropping some sell sales messaging in there in between. 
where where B2B companies still go wrong from my perspective is that they all they're all about the sale all the time. And if you can turn that upside down and look at an email marketing strategy as a one, two, three year endeavor, and you treat it that way strategically, all the way down to the content that you produce and publish, you could do serious damage in your industry in a good way. Like you can really control your market if you can keep the attention of the major and important email addresses in, in your space. So that's number three, a smart segmented email strategy. Number four, be a thought leader on LinkedIn. Be a thought leader on LinkedIn. So notice I'm not saying have a strong presence on LinkedIn. I'm not saying generate thousands of followers on, on LinkedIn. I'm not saying have a have a routine sales strategy on LinkedIn. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying be a thought leader. And this goes back to the long-term strategy approach. I think this is a growth hack, guys. I think too many groups are trying so hard to shove their products or services in the B2B space down other people's throats that they're turning people off and you actually have the opportunity to stand out and be different and to look, frankly, very impressive in the eyes of your potential consumer base by not doing what everybody else is doing. I'm seeing a lot of people on LinkedIn right now shoving a video camera in their face and just selling like crazy. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. Look look what my company has done. Oh my gosh, we're on the Inc. You know, 500 or 5,000 and we're ranked number 577 and look at us, look at us, look at us. As opposed to what do you believe in? Like what ideas do you have about the industry you're in? Where do you think it's going? What are the problems with the industry that you're in and how do you think they should be better? Be a thought leader. And doing that is going to make you stand out. And guess what? I have firsthand experience with this. People are going to come to you and ask for your business because they respect thought leaders. You know, there's a term that you can also call, the internet likes to use, called experts. I, I don't like experts because an expert implies that he knows the answers to everything. And I think that can limit your your content strategies if you think that you've got to know the answer to everything. Being a thought leader is putting yourself out there a little bit more, taking a risk with the things and the ideas that you have. And it's not as judgmental. It's not as harsh. It's you just trying to make sense of the world that you see. If you know what you're talking about, if you've been in your industry a long time, and you couple that with trying to have the intention of helping people in your industry or helping people that could use your expertise rather than trying to sell them, you'll find that you'll you'll attain some level of thought leadership fairly quickly and the value of that because you stand out versus everybody trying to sell is, is a huge win. So that's number four, be a thought leader on LinkedIn. Growth hack number five, build a free course. So I really like this. There's a lot of tools but I'm really digging this source, uh, this this tool called CourseCraft. The URL is coursecraft.net, and for thirty bucks a month, you essentially can build landing pages and 
an entire course system behind the landing pages. You build out all the curriculum, whether it be, you know, the content be in text or in audio form or in video form. Uh, you can upload videos, audio, text. You can build in quizzes and tests. You can build in billing so that people have to pay to enter your course. It's a really cool tool. I'm talking about building a free course. Build a course that you would spend $1,000 to take in your industry in B2B and offer it for free. Literally provide that much value. In that process, think about how many emails you're going to collect, right? And when I say collect emails, by the way, I'm talking about permission from those people to email them. Permission marketing, as Seth Godin likes to call it. Think of how much permission marketing you'll be able to obtain across thousands of people potentially in your space by providing a really in-depth, good course. You'll, you'll, you'll notice with all one of the consistencies with all of these items require that you know what the heck you're talking about. If you don't know what you're talking about, these strategies probably aren't going to work for you. Just warning. A um, couple of things I like to do with building a free course. Um, I like giving them for free. Uh, I like, it's obviously an opportunity to collect emails, but I like to make sure that they know that by getting access to the free course that they are opting into the newsletter. The other thing I like doing is uh, driving it, people from there to a webinar or driving people from a webinar to the free course. And that's probably the more natural approach, right? So if you think about this from a processing or execution perspective, you could spend the next three, four, five months building a robust, awesome course with tons of great text, great curriculum tests, quizzes, maybe some video in there. And then you can break those out in chunks as individual webinars. Market the webinars for people to join for free. At the end of the webinar is a call to action to join the free course. So again, don't oversell yourself on this. People are going to, by, by the fact that they're following all of the, you know, your content, going through your courses, going through your webinars, following your thought leadership on LinkedIn, they're, they're going to ask you for your business. And that's the way it should be. Finally, number six, build a Facebook Messenger bot. So I don't know how much time you have on the weekends or if you ever feel like you have extra time. If you can, I would recommend going to Google and searching around a bit on uh, Facebook Messenger bots and, and taking a look at some of the ones that are already out there. There's some really interesting ones regarding marketing, business, goal setting. Um, there's some really good fitness Facebook Messenger bots. Um, there's some really good Slack bots around the same topics. Um, think about bots as a conversational, an automated conversational way to improve people's lives. So you could build a bot in your B2B space that solves problems, answers questions, helps people when they need help, right? When they need help, they go to the bot, they ask a question, you're there to answer it. Um, think of it as a tool that's strictly meant to provide value, and then in the future, you can leverage it like a, like you can a newsletter. So if you've heard of the service called ManyChat, M-A-N-Y-C-H-A-T.com, 
MediaChat is a great tool where it's got a, a nice WYSIWYG editor where you can, you know, drag and drop, create your own bots. More, less AI driven. They're not they're not AI driven bots. They're not machine learning bots, but they're, you know, more structural bots that that you can control the the flow of language and what questions are asked and what options you can answer with. Uh, and and it's also meant to be a tool that's it's very similar to like an email service provider like a Mailchimp, uh, or a, or an Active Campaign or a Constant Contact where you can generate subscribers to your Facebook Messenger so that you can send weekly broadcasts out to those people. And the open rates on those are astoundingly high, 80, 90%, as opposed to maybe 30 or 40% for email. So Facebook Messenger bot is really good, but I can't overemphasize enough. If you're going to go that route, make sure that, that you understand some of the technical hurdles. Make sure that you put a lot of effort into building a real bot that really does, in some interesting ways, solve solve problems for people and, and really helps helps them when they need it. Some of the bots that I've built, I've found that people like to inter- interact with them at like midnight, you know, one in the morning, two in the morning. Obviously, times where I'm not going to be there to answer their questions. So therefore, the bot side of it is extremely powerful and valuable. So that's my sixth growth hack for you. Build a Facebook Messenger bot. I hope these ideas help. Um, These are some ideas that have been working for me recently in in the B2B space. And don't, you know, over kind of big picture messaging for you here, like my last thought that comes to my mind before we end the show. There's so much talk about what doesn't work for B2B. Oh, you can't do Facebook ads because that's for B2C. Or you, you can't do you know, you can't do uh, video well because that's that's for B2C. That's not B2B. Um, or B2B customers, you can't target them as well on Twitter or whatever, right? There's, there's all these things. Um, don't listen to that. So much of what I've had success doing in B2B over the years has had to do with just going in the opposite direction where everybody says you can't go and finding a way to make it work. And so these uh, these platforms, like, look, all the business executives you're trying to reach that you're trying to sell your software to, for example, they're on Facebook and Instagram. They may not be in business mode when they're on, in Facebook and Instagram like they are in LinkedIn, but you better believe they're on Facebook and Instagram. So why not use those platforms to to reach those people, you know, with the right message at the right time? So hope these ideas help. Thanks again for the time. Your time is honestly precious. I know you guys all have your goals and you're trying to achieve them. My whole goal with this podcast from the beginning is just to try to help. And I really hope this podcast has been helpful. If it has, do me a huge favor. Whatever app that you use, whether it be you know the, the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Google Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeart, Radio, Whatever it is that you use, please do me a favor. Leave a review. Your your feedback would be awesome, as well as you know share share with a friend. You know this 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 type of podcast only grows through word of mouth and, and your word of mouth and your recommendation to your friends in your in your business sector would be greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Chase Sagan podcast. Be sure to subscribe on SoundCloud 
Also on SoundCloud, you can post uh, any questions or topics you want me to cover for future episodes. And stay tuned for the next one. Thanks. Thanks.